Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is an exciting one. Please take note of our housekeeping that is in the chat right now. Change your chat settings to everyone down in the bottom right. Let us know where you're coming in from in the chat. Jen, Jackie, and I were all very well-traveled. We'll shout out all the places that we know and love. Where are you tuning in from? We have a hot international community. So shout out to your country. If you are coming in from international, I love to see it. Shout out to Oregon. I see you. I've never been there, but I'm in. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Kirsten, I can always count on you. I, it's like it's like the sun. You will always come up in my life. Oh, hi. O-H-I-O. What's up? ATL in the house. Shout out to Raleigh, North Carolina. Where have you guys seen? Where are you, where you been? Where have we been on this list? Yeah. I've been to Raleigh. I was the mascot in college and I got to try, I did an away game at NC State in Raleigh. You don't get to say I was a mascot in college. <laughs> are you joking me right now? Let I am not joking you. Tuning in from yeah. the chat. Change your chat settings to everyone. Go pack. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Mrs. Wolf, In the room. Let me introduce you guys to the folks that are with me today and tell you what we're doing here. You're going to get top discovery questions that every sales rep should be asking. The number of questions you're going to get throughout this conversation with these two experts is amazing. Jen Allen Knuth, welcome back to the show. Also, Jackie Leahy, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. We're excited. Sure to be a great show. Sure to be a great show. Uh, these two have probably discovered more than Magellan. We're going to get into the ways that they have done this. But first, I'm going to launch this question right here. This is how we tailor the conversation to the folks that are in the room. Pretty sure I know who's going to be in the room, but we're going to ask the question anyway. Uh, before we dive in, check out our upcoming daily shows. We are live every, every day. So go ahead and scan that QR code on your screen or go to sellbetter.xyz to learn more about the daily show and all the other things that's coming your way at Sell Better. Uh, I'm excited for this one because we're going to talk about things like discovery. But first, I got to give a hat tip to our sponsors. If you want to talk about great technology, you want to talk about Zoom Info, Zoom, Zoom Info has been around forever. Best data in the business, Wonderway. Shout out to my people at Wonderway. Just sent me a great bottle of whiskey. You know the way to my heart. <laughs> Vidyard. I think I've been a Vidyard user for the better part of the last seven years, it seems like, and they never let me down. That tech is constantly there for me to impact my prospects. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what you're going to get today. Specific discovery questions. We're dropping a link in the chat for you to get good at video. Video prospecting, fast becoming the best way to get in front of your prospects. Get the link inside there. I feel like Oprah sometimes with all the stuff that we give out on the show. No, you get a video prospecting guide. No, you get a video prospecting guide. Everybody gets a video prospecting guide. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the Oprah thing. That's how she always did it. Uh, so these are the things you're going to get today. Let's get into it right away here. The types of questions that we should ask. Let's look at who's in the room. No shocker right here, SDRs and AEs. Shout out to the AEs in the room. This is probably relevant to AEs in a big way because I think they do deeper discovery. Uh, Jen, let's talk about some of the types of questions that you use. And I think you had budget and observation-based were yours, right? So mine were actually observation-based in pain. And one of the things, by the way, that I love about this format is when we were going through and prepping for this, we have slightly different philosophies, which is awesome. I hate webinars where everybody's saying the same thing. And so I think for my philosophy, um, I spent 18 years as a seller 
And one of the things I struggled with a lot in the beginning was actually asking questions that felt like I had a sincere interest in their business. Not that I was just trying to qualify, are you going to buy from me or not? And so where I evolved my discovery over time was to focus far more on understanding pain because I could love a product immensely and still not buy it, right? I could really, really be interested in something, but be one of 10 people making the decision. So when I think about observation-based and when I think about pain, it really boils down into four things. So one is when I leave that call, I want to be able to answer how, like, why does this buyer believe they have a problem worth solving? Ah. Two, how did they arrive at that conclusion, meaning the beliefs and, and assumptions underneath it? Three, how do other people in the business view that problem? And four, what are the points of disagreement? And the thing I will say, and the reason I think about it like this is because I have lost so many deals where I saw someone who loved what we did and thought there was immense pain, but then went back into a business where everybody else in the buying group had a different opinion around what the true pain was to solve. And so for me, it's less about like the specific questions I ask and more about, can I hang up the phone from that discovery conversation and be able to feel confident that I know those four answers? The confidence piece is massive. And I think the other questions that Jackie leans into here kind of aid in building that confidence as you move through the discovery process. So Jackie, talk about your your selections here and the way that you leverage those in your discovery process. Yeah. So Jen and I definitely come from different backgrounds when it comes to sales. I'm a former teacher and actually a real estate agent. I was a Manhattan apartment broker in 2008, 2009, and the impact of the financial, other financial crisis. And I thought of that process as two parts. First, uh, the discovery and qualification before we left the office to go look at apartments. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Sandler, I'm a Sandler uh, fangirl. And so I think of paying budget decision. And just like Jen, right? Um, And it's that, that kind of triangle. And I like to kind of be (laughs) sincere and sneaky at the same time where I like to be like, but it's not that big of a deal. Like you've got time to move, right? You you don't have to do anything now, right? Um, And really have them convince me what, no, 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 this does hurt and it hurts bad and everybody agrees. Even my mom will guarantee my apartment because, and she will sign all the paperwork and she will hand over her W-2s because this actually does hurt and everybody agrees. Tell me about the binary questions. When you said this, I was thinking to myself like, okay, a binary question. I look at a binary, the word binary, and I think about a close-ended question, but it's not always the case, right? Tell me about how binary questions function in your process. And then we'll, we'll give some examples here. I have a question for the audience too. Binary questions. Um... Yeah. So when you said, I'm not sure. Let me, let me tell you, when you said binary questions, we were talking about questions that you asked that let you know that this is a fit or not. So a fit or not question, right? Uh, if you, if you were going to ask that question, you would want to ask one question that lets you know, should I pursue the next steps at the end of this call or not? Am I, am I wrong about that? Is that the function of a binary question in your, in your process? I feel like it would. Yeah. Oh, got it. Yeah. So the, the binary question would be, do you have your calendar in front of you? Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about how to get there too. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's, um, it's assuming the next step. Yeah. The assumptive language and you're assuming it and it 
it's kind of a pattern interrupt where they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we were just kind of, we were talking about going on a date. You want me to actually book a time and like pick a restaurant? Like, right. That's the <laughs> next step. Becomes, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. And it's always that conversation, like the husband and wife, what do you want to eat? I don't care. You pick. Okay. Well, here's six yeah. things. And they're like, no, I don't want that. And you're like, clearly you do care. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so here's my question to everybody that's in the audience and don't act like you've never had that conversation with your spouse. It goes both ways. What do you want to eat? I don't care. So here's the question. What types of questions do you lean on most when you're in the discovery piece? And while you guys are doing that, we're going to give you some examples of these types of questions. And I want to start with Jen. Jen, you talked about a, a, a observation-based question, and this is one anybody can start using right now. Talk to me about what you saw on Twitter. Yeah, so I think one of the things that we are blessed with now versus maybe 10, 15 years ago is the amount of information that is publicly available about the companies who are either inbounding or were outbounding. And so one of the things that I used to make the mistake of doing is I would use the person on the other end of the line to tell me what their problems were. And I had very little insight to any of that. So I was completely dependent on what they were saying being taken as fact. Yeah. Now what I've seen is when I go out and I like one of the things I do a lot is I'll like Google the company name CEO plus podcast or plus interview. And I'll quickly and now this is where we can start using chat GPT to do it faster for us. Right. Like I'll try to pull out what is it they're trying to do and and hypothesize what may make that hard. So I was talking about before we jumped on the first seven figure deal I ever closed was because of doing this in discovery. Right. And it's like it was a company that sold pumps and valves, very, very commoditized product. They came in, they said, look, we've evaluated three other training vendors. We Procurement told us we needed a fourth. So we want to set up a call with you to talk about what you offer for negotiation training, how much it is, and what the agenda looks like in the content. Now, if I had just said, sure, let's talk about how much budget have you allocated and what's your timeline for making a decision and why is it in need and, and you know, those traditional questions. Are me? I would have been banting myself right into a price bake-off, right? Because I was already late to the game. And in many ways, I think some of these opportunities are the places where they should be our testing ground to actually be more observation-based. So what I did is instead is I said, look, like from what I can tell and looking at your business, it looks like you sell like a very commoditized product. Like it's pumps and valves that control the flow of water. I see here that your CEO is talking about competing against lower cost competition from China. So I got to ask, like, how did the business arrive on negotiation being the thing you need to train on? And the answer I got back was, well, we talked to our sales leaders and they said that was it. And so I asked the question, what if they're wrong? Like, I'm not saying that they are, but what if you dump a million dollars into making your people better at negotiation only to find out that negotiation wasn't the thing? And so what it was doing was it was seeding doubt about maybe we've picked the wrong thing. And in my mind, Great discovery is about helping that that prospect or that buyer feel far more confident that they're making the right decision because buying is such a high risk, like yes. scary, scary thing to do. Everybody's held accountable for the dollars that they spend that belong to the organization at a high level, right? We're going to be held accountable for that. Jackie, I want to talk about your question. Let's take a look at some of this right here. It looks like a lot of people don't lean on whim. That's the one that's being neglected the most. Uh, the what and the how questions, though, pretty popular. I can appreciate that. Uh, I want to open the door for everybody and tell you that you can submit your discovery questions that you would like these two ladies to review in the Q&A starting right now. Make sure you read them all as they get submitted, though, because you can upvote the ones that, that you like the most. 
And I want you guys to take advantage of these two experts in the room. Okay, Jackie, let's talk about this question you think everyone should be asking right here. Is this a problem for you that needs to be solved? This is a super direct question. I would consider this a binary question. What do you think? Yeah, that 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 does sound like a binary question. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for helping me understand what I said. Uh, <laughs> so, I, number one, I want to I want to make it a okay for the prospect to tell me the truth. That they could be like, actually, no, it doesn't need to be solved. I want I want to give them as many off ramps as possible because if it really does hurt, they'll they'll convince me that. Um, and I also saw in the chat people are talking about like the the why, and I just I do some like professional coaching, and why can also like it can trigger that defensiveness, like justification sort of thing. And so while I want to know why, but starting with what had you or what was it that gets to the why without triggering that like. <laughs> defensiveness. Yeah, I think people get really defensive when we start yeah. asking questions, especially if we start with the wrong discovery questions too soon. I think that really does kind of rub people the wrong way and it could set your deal off on a bad foot. The one that I had there was about the authority piece and I like to ask people if they're a part of the team that makes the decision. I think this is helpful because if you're a champion, you're not living far enough above the power line for me that I should send you things and try to get your yes. Your yes isn't the yes that closes the deal. That's not to demean your yes, right? It's not to say it's not valuable and I don't value you as a champion, but some people sign paperwork and some people present paperwork and I'm okay with both. I need you to be a champion for me internally, but are you a part of that team that actually makes the decision? We've got some good discovery questions coming in. Make sure you go into the Q&A and upvote the ones that you like so that these two ladies can review them uh, and then uh, let's take a look at questions that you've been asking in 2023 that you weren't asking in 2022. Let's talk about that. And if you have those discovery questions yourself, drop them in the Q&A as well. We can talk about them. Uh, okay. So what's at stake for you here? I love this question. Jackie, what, how, what does this do for your deal? I want an I. So it's all about impact, right? turning pain into impact. What's at stake for you here? I want to, I don't want just the business impact. I want the personal impact. Mm. Um, I want to know like what, what's on the line? Why does this matter to you? Are you going after a promotion? Is this a step in your career? Um, is this job security? You know, 2023 looks a little bit different than it did in 2022 and 2021. Yeah, you a lot of these types of answers when you ask this question. Yeah, I'm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm getting like, if if you do, if you really have the connection and it's strong and it's palpable, and you'll, and this is how you know that you really made that connection is that they open up and they're vulnerable. Like, listen, like if this doesn't if this doesn't go well, my head's on the chopping block or you know budget has been slashed i need this one thing to get me to this kpi or else yeah. i'm doomed this is a good comment here uh or else i'm doomed right <laughs> like 
if if you're punctuating there, this is a personal impact and a professional impact for the individual that you're speaking with. What's at stake for you here? I would strongly recommend you add that to your arsenal of questions that you've been using in discovery. Uh, Jen, you know our friend Moore Asselin. He's been a great guest on our show in the past. We I like to consider us friends. Very fortunate to have lots of friends in the space. Uh, who else agrees and who disagrees? And you said that these aren't always asked the, in the same conversation, but they are helpful if you can get the back-to-backs here because you get a lot from these questions. Why do you ask these? What do you get back from it? Yeah. So I think part of what I'm going for in discovery is to not sound like I'm qualifying, right? I said that at the beginning, but I think sometimes it's how we ask questions that yeah. makes it feel like this really stiff motion. Sure. And so one of the reasons I'm a big fan of being really problem-centric as opposed to buying solution-centric is because it allows us to get answers that people are typically more reserved to share if they feel like they're being sold to. So this one in particular, when I'm asking about the problem and how do you know it's a problem and what did you do to de- derive that answer? One of the things I'm very intentional about is saying like, who else would have a different opinion on this? Because essentially what that flags is people that are going to be in the buying group, maybe later, like, you know, I'm, I came from Challenger. We talk a lot about there's a le- an average of 11 people in a buying group, whether directly or indirectly. And so I want to I want to learn information without feeling like they are being sold to. And so I'll say, who else in the buying group disagrees with this? I had a, a call with 22 stakeholders on it, right? And I was prepping for that call in advance. I was like, we've got 22 people. There's no way every one of those 22 people looks at the problem the same way. So who's skeptical? What are the other problems that they're prioritizing? And all this is doing is allow me to understand what's my competition, because my competition isn't just other people in my category. My competition right now is competition for spend and budget and dollars. And so by asking those questions, it's almost allowing the prospect to discover for themselves, hey, as much as I want to buy this thing, I'm still going to have to get these people to look at the world the way that I do. So it makes yeah. it very easy for me to transition to a next step where it's like, let's get these people on a call because you don't want to waste a ton of time evaluating a solution that other everybody else doesn't agree that we need. Great stuff right here. I hope you guys are taking a lot of notes. If you're not, it's okay because you're going to get the recording of this. It is 2023. Uh, I want to park it. We have so many good conversations. Let's park for one moment because we have good questions that want review and I want to give you ladies a chance to review them. Jeff Pearson, thank you for this one. This is a very popular one. What happens if you do nothing? Jackie, I see you shaking your head. What happens if you do nothing? What do you think about this question? Do you ask it on every call? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to know the impact. I want to know the critical events coming. Uh, if you're a winning by design fan, you know, uh, the spice model is fantastic, especially in bigger, more enterprise level deals. Yeah. Um, so not only what will happen if you do nothing, but from there, what and you do nothing and then you continue to do nothing. I, I want to know the full impact. I want to know. I want to know the apocalypse version. <laughs> <laughs> the world will end. It's all over if I do nothing. That's what you're looking. Wanna, yeah, and I also want to know if it's like, oh well, we'll just we'll just readjust. Okay, great. <laughs> now I know. It's true, and and we have to know. That's our goal. We yeah. need to know that we're getting information. We have to get that information. That's the function of a discovery call. Jen, this one comes from Archa. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, which tools are you using now for your discovery? Uh, and why are they not working to solve your challenges that you mentioned? What do you think about that discovery question? I guess especially pertinent if you sell a product, not a service. 
Yeah. And I think even if you do sell a service, I really like this question because our competition right now is status quo. It's good is good enough, right? So what this question is geared at is I want to deeply understand how you're solving the problem today, because if I don't, I may be overthinking that you really want a better option. Like this is where I think we have an opportunity as salespeople to take our sales hat off and just be like, you know what? That might not actually be a bad way to attack it for now. And maybe we should wait two months. And I think when you have the confidence to show up to a sales call like that, it's, it, it totally changes the tonality of the conversation, but you can't get it if you don't know the answers to those questions. So I love that one. Good conversations, good questions. This has been a great show. You guys are the best audience in the world. <laughs> I, I want to throw this out there for you. Put a yes or no in the chat if you feel like you have a great process for discovery, a process of your own for discovery. Yes or no, do you have one? A lot of no's coming in already. Hot no's. No is the dominant answer. Look at the no's go. It's no's by a no's. Okay. <laughs> let's let's talk about this because I don't even think that you three realized that you gave us this, but I loved when you two were going back and forth and I picked this out of that conversation. These are three ways that you can enhance your discovery. Now, I'm a victim of happy years. Uh, I'm happily to admit, I'm like that guy at the AA meeting. Hi, I'm James. Hi, James. I suffer from happy years. Thanks for coming and sharing, James. Uh, but you say that you have a way, Jen, of avoiding happy years by playing devil's advocate in your mind. Describe this for everybody so that we can cure this plague. Yeah. And by the way, like I was such a sufferer of happy years, which is how I changed my my process. So it's not like I always got this right. When I was selling training, right, I would just geek out if someone was like, we, we haven't done training in a while. I'm like, yes, you're a fit because it's time. Right. And I would get so excited and I would immediately jump to here's what our solution is and why we're the best training option for you. What I neglected and what this question is getting at is training isn't the only lever they can pull to solve that problem. And by jumping very quickly to my solution, I wouldn't be able to discover what else is on the table. It could be a tech investment. It could be a reorg. It could be a bunch of different things. And so even actually, particularly when I hear something I want to hear, like I work for Lavender now, we help companies with outbound and emailing. Like I love it when I hear someone saying, we've really got to do a better job of outbound. But it forces me to go back and say, right, but what other things might you do instead of this? And it's just like it's that motion of kind of pushing someone back where instead of being that like commission breathy, like I'm all in your business type motion, it's like I actually just want to get really curious around all the different ways because that's going to help me prescribe to you. Is this the right time? Is this the right product? Is this even the right fit? The uh, right fit. Once again, we're back full circle, right? Does this fit for you? Definitely a piece of the discovery that you need to come away with on a fast level. And happy years is something that everybody struggles with in sales, I think. Uh, visualization is something that a lot of very successful people do. Uh, and you like to visualize what's happening internally, Jackie. Tell me how you you work this. Yeah. I, and just as Jen was talking, I was visualizing this pendulum right it's like you you hear that they're they're such a good fit well i can do two things i can grab that ball and pull it up towards where where i am and that's effort or i can push it it's going to swing that way and come all the way back up and higher right so every i'm kind of thinking about i'm visualizing how the dynamics are working and obviously i am uh, expressive and I use colorful language, but that doesn't that doesn't hit with all different types of people. Um, I love the disc model. I prepare for meetings using crystal nose. It's phenomenal. It 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 uh 
it analyzes and gives you a disk of communication style. Um, and so I like to know, knowing where I am and knowing where they are and being able to connect and really speak their love, their love language. So I can get the hot gossip. Yeah, I talk about love language all the time. It's one of the things yeah. from people's about page. And we're going to talk about some of those personality traits here in just a bit. Body yeah. language is the one that you got me with when you said, sometimes I give them the eye. I do that yeah. and I lean in when I ask a question that's really important. I'm like, oh, you said, and then I repeat the question and I'm like, tell me, tell me about that, right? And I feel like that body language gets them talking quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's very interesting. And I love this the way that this conversation is going. A lot of no's came in the chat when we were talking about process. So I want to give us a chance to talk about a SDR discovery process and then move to an AE process. So we're going to start with Jackie at the SDR discovery process and the language to get to those next steps. And then we're going to talk to Jen about that AE process and let her talk about the rest of the funnel on the way down. So let's take a look at these processes. Jackie, tell me about your discovery process leading up to this piece of the conversation on the left. Uh, talk about the process leading up to this or this process here this process here so you've got the great conversation okay. you've got the interest and you need to transition into passing it over to jen as an ae yeah and and it always ends up being a little bit abrupt which i think works and it's almost like a pattern interrupt where it's like ah, oh, and i i can't feel this connection uh do you have your calendar in front of you <laughs> and it just kind of it's a really great kind of break and let's talk about next steps um and and i like to do that closed like what is uh how about tuesday afternoon or wednesday morning you know like get them to kind of Specific. yeah like like give them two choices rather than do you like sandwiches <laughs> would you prefer a bologna sandwich or pb and j kind of kind of funnel them down so they say and, yes to the tuesday piece yeah and they're on for tuesday yeah. and then you set that up Aww. with with Jen. And I'm going to set it up with Jen and I'm going to be like, you know what? Jen is so incredible. Um, who, like, who else should bring on this? You mentioned Molly, you mentioned James. You, yeah. Okay, cool. We'll put them on. Da -da -da -da. Great. <laughs> I'll get their email addresses sometimes. You want to just give me their emails and I can add them oh, to the invite, yeah. right? Yeah. Just pop it, pop it in the chat. Let me, yeah. I'll, I'll add them right now. Yeah. All right, Jen. So let's let's transition then. You're the other person. You got that email and that invite from your SDR, Jackie. And there's two other people that weren't on that intro call that are added to this now. So that's an that's a variable, right? Talk to me about your process here. And I love your opening question. Yeah, I think when you talk to people who hate discovery, buyers who hate discovery are almost always like it's the Spanish Inquisition. Like I get fired at a thousand questions. Nobody cares what I know or how far along I am in my learning journey. And I think that's where discovery gets a really bad rep, right? Because it's like we're going in assuming they know nothing when in reality, they probably know quite a bit. And so one of my opening questions is just to understand where at the process are they? Have they spent 20 hours researching every option and they've already had a call with somebody else and they've looked at, you know, talked to people that use our product. I'm going to treat discovery really different than I would for someone's like, I don't know, I just saw you in a Google search and I picked up the phone, which are few and far between. Yeah. And so first things first is to understand where is that buyer in their learning journey? This is just the language I use for it. When I'm going through that call and we're sussing out, here are the people that might disagree that we should spend anything at all here. Right. What I'm doing is now I'm getting to the end of the call, as Jackie mentioned, and I'm being really prescriptive to say, 
you know, I know it might be kind of intimidating to invite a bunch of people to look at this, but I, it feels to me that we should probably get alignment on the problem first be ever, before we ever do show and tell on what our product does. So my recommendation is, why don't you let me write the note for you? I'll make it so it's very problem centric. We're not going to do like this is where the leading provider in this space type language, but I'll take that effort off your plate so that we can guarantee success that people want to participate in that conversation. And based on what I heard today, I think it should be this person, this person, this person. Where do you disagree? And who did I leave out? Right. So I think this is where like it, it can feel awkward at times to be in the driver's seat. But one of the mistakes I made a lot was just sitting in the back seat, being like, where are we going? When are we getting there? You tell me. And our buyers, frankly, in many cases, just don't know. They're looking for that prescription. Right. You're supposed to be the Sherpa in that moment, right? You're supposed yeah. to be the the shepherd herding. That's the way it's supposed to go. Come to me. Let's go this way. Turn this way, right? The water is over here. Uh, one of the things that you said in your process was this last bullet point here of reducing buyer effort. AEs, please listen to Jen as she describes the importance of reducing <laughs> your buyer's effort. Jen, I'll let you rip on it. Yeah. First of all, I think I got a whole new appreciation of buyer effort when I became a buyer that I didn't even have after as long as I sold. And so yeah. one is, I think if you don't, if you've never been part of buying a product, jump on a call with someone in your business and just get the reality check of what it's like. It is freaking hard. It is more work on top of everybody already doing more stuff. And so when I'm going through my sales process, I'm constantly looking for what is a high effort thing that I can do for them or at least start the process? So for me, one of the things is that note after the meeting, right? If I leave it to the buyer and they're jumping from call to call to call to call and I'm like, hey, yo, set up that meeting for us. Chances are one, they don't do it or two, they do it and it's really poorly executed because they're just trying to get it off their list versus mm -hmm. to me, I'm like, this is my number one priority. I really care that we get this meeting set up. So something as simple as saying, draft the note that they will forward to their team for them is a great way to secure that the message is being conveyed in the, the way that you want it to. And you're also removing a high effort, high like friction step so that they just have to maybe tweak it and hit forward. It's a good, it's a good practice to get into. Uh, I want to pivot over to, I always think of Scar when I think about preparing <laughs> for a meeting. I don't know if the Lion King reference is there. Be prepared, right? That's something that always comes to mind when I think about preparing. Uh, so I want to talk about ways that we prepare for these meetings. Uh, Jackie, you listed a couple of places you go right away. So you're doing all the research. You're ready to ask the right question. You got to figure out which questions to ask. Where do you go? I go to LinkedIn. I want to know who I'm talking to you. Yes. Um, I absolutely love LinkedIn. I love um, Crystal knows it is expensive. I saw in the chat. Yes. Um, but when you get good at it, you don't necessarily need Crystal knows to be able to kind of quickly assess. Um, I like to think of disc as birds. Um, I was the party parrot. That's what I am like expressive and excited. Um, the, the eagle is the D like commander. This is what we're doing. So we're up to, uh, the dove. Let's just get along. Wait, don't go too fast. Let's really care about the people. And then of course the owl, um, slow, steady, methodical, every detail. Um, and so I want to, I know where I am. And I want to get a sense of what kind of bird I'm going to be with or if, what what does the flock look like that I'm stepping into and just being super responsible about like my energy. It, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? I can really alienate people if they're coming in as owls and there are, or even D's, it's like, give me the bottom line up front. <laughs> and 
learned and so knowing being responsible with the energy and kind of stretch like knowing where my strengths are and where my stretches are and yep. being prepared to stretch into who i'll be with yeah yeah i'm i'm always prepared to get my wrist slapped for being too active in the chat <laughs> so uh, jen jen tell me about how you prepare for a discovery call it's on the way you know it's coming maybe there's even some strangers on that call that you don't know yet what do you do <laughs> i love strange so that's awesome um, so what I do now, and this is a shameless plug, so forgive me, but it saved me a bunch of steps. So I work for Lavender. As part of Lavender, we have this personalization assessment that's telling you what is their personality type. It's pulling from Humantic. What are the tech that they use? So for us, like it's great as a great signal for me if I see that they use Sales Loft or Outreach, right? So I want to know that going in versus being like, hey, do you use Sales Loft or Outreach? So getting an understanding of the tech, looking at their job openings. Like if I'm selling to salespeople, I want to understand SDR or ISR might mean something super different. They might just yeah. handle inbound and not do outbound. So if I go into that call with assumptions that the buyer then has to correct me, it's just reducing my credibility. So I'm using the personalization assistant to be able to get really smart, really fast and know answers to questions that they probably don't expect I'd know. Because I think that's a good way to show up, right? It's just like, I've done some work. It looks like this. Am I off? And and I'm, be okay with being wrong, right? That's the other tonality of it. I, I'm always reminded of Sam Sales. Show me that you know. It was yes. like one of my favorite things that I learned from Sam was show me that you know me. And I feel like it doesn't take long for me to make an effort to show somebody that. Let's talk a little bit about flexibility, right? Because we have all the yes hashtag Sam Sales. <laughs> uh, there's all there's all this uh, commentary right around rigid processes, like you said in your process, Jen. Nothing too rigid. How do we teach reps to be flexible as they go through these discovery process? Not every plan we lay out is going to go the way that we that we think it is. Uh, I want to start with Jackie here on this question, and then we'll go to Jen, and then we're going to get into the questions that were submitted from the audience, which I'm really excited about. Okay, Jackie, flexibility, go. I definitely like to have questions at like like teleprompter scripts. Okay. I would think of myself as a celebrity, and you know, like. <laughs> Sometimes I need, sometimes I need a line, right? Like, I want to see it. I need the line. I not, I, I want to be so lost in the moment connecting with someone. I don't want to have to worry about what I'm going to ask. So sometimes I like a flipbook. I like a little, you know, the sticky notes that you have on, like the the digital sticky note uh, on a Mac. And I just, you know, my go-to questions, yeah. my go-to phrases. Um, and I really like to... Just, yeah, exactly. Like get like 100% absorbed in that person, be with them and not have to worry. Um, but but when I do read off, here's the important part to not. So tell me more about blah, 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 blah. Even if I am referring to someone, something, I'm going to create it as if it's I am delivering a line like for the first time or I'm, I'm creating it. I'm not just reading it. Yeah. It feels to the prospect like you're not reading it off of a page, but rather it's organic for you. And I just launched this question about your own flexibility because I'm curious for the audience. Jen, how do you bend and shift as the conversation moves on forward? You had this great list of questions that you were going to ask, but this person tried to take the wheel from you. Talk to me. Yeah, I think, it, again, it goes back to what drives buyers nuts is when they feel like no matter what they say, you are just following a plan that you've set out. And it's like, I'm not even listening. I think that is the core frustration. You're not listening to me. 
So I'm never going to sit here and say you should or shouldn't have a list of questions. Mm. I will say the risk, as Jackie talked about, with having a list of questions is it's very easy for us to get sucked into that and just say, I'm going to ask you whatever I was going to ask you, regardless of what I say. And the best discovery conversations that I think I've had are places where the prospect has said something. And instead of running to my next question, I've been like, hold on, one plus one equals three here to me. Like, you got to back me up. You got to help me understand how you got here. And it's like by having that and by saying questions that are clearly off script, that's what I think to Jackie's point, like pulls us into an actual human conversation instead of this like rigid qualification thing. So all that said, I go back to those four things I talked about. I want to make sure at the end of the call, I've got answers to these four things. I don't really care how I ask the question to get there, but I need to to have something to hold myself accountable. Did I actually do this or did I get lost into, you know, just one piece of this? Because that will help me understand what do I need to do as a next step so I can share that back with them too. Yeah, don't forget the next step is always the goal. If you don't have a next step on the calendar at the end of every call, you probably don't have a deal. Look at the reflex, the flexibility here. Uh, looks like a lot of people are saying that they're very flexible, but most people say, you know, they're like a four or a three. I think that's a comfortable place to be. I mean, you have to be hard on some things for you three percenters out there. Lighten up, will you? Let let people talk. Let them, <laughs> let them do it, man. Like it's okay. It's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you. I promise. Uh, okay, let's talk about some of the questions that were submitted from the audience. These are always my favorite part because I love engaging with you guys. Uh, okay, so I'll do one question per person and then we'll go to the next question, okay? Jackie, we're going to start with you. This is one is from Larry. Uh, who is the executive sponsor for this initiative? What do you think about that question? I think it's back to authority, no? What else does it do? Oh, yeah. Um, so this goes to budget and decision, right? Like, who's, who's actually in charge? I, but here's the thing, um, asking it like that feels like I'm being banted. Mm. So I I definitely like read the situation, like how, how am I, like how are we related? What, are they an owl? Are they an eagle? Yeah. Um, will color how I present it? Um, where is it, it's, am I being casual or being more formal? So maybe if it, if you are talking to someone super formal, yeah. So executive sponsor give it to me or you know right there be, being formal or casual um so i probably wouldn't ask it in those words um but i would probably finesse it so mm-hmm. it's like okay so tell me like organizationally who is like the c-level person who's on your side here yeah it's more yeah. organic language right it doesn't feel yeah. so uh robotic i feel like yeah. executive sponsor might be an internal term we did a show recently where they were like Find out what the internal terms are and start using those in your messaging because then you feel like an insider. And I thought that was such great advice when I heard it. Uh, okay, Archa, thank you again. Uh, this one's for Jen. What is the worst discovery question you've heard and why wasn't it good? Uh, that is actually a good question. For you. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I would say it's probably, and I know this might not be a popular answer, but do you have budget for this? Like when I'm doing, when I'm, having an initial call, it's not always because there's a defined budget, but it does not mean that it's not a priority. It could mean I am just learning. And so I think we have to separate learners from hand raisers because gosh, in in a market where like we're flush with cash and we can buy a lot of things, yeah, I'm probably making more calls knowing I have budget, but part of selling, like not order taking, but true selling is actually helping someone get from a place where they don't have budget to budget and we play a role in that so by disqualifying me because i don't have budget that's tough right now i think to do 
I saw the bubble come up. Somebody said nobody has budgets. <laughs> true. Uh, you know what I like to do is I like to lead them there so they get so into it and they're excited and then they're like, okay, but how much does it cost? And then I go, it sounds like you guys have talked about budget for this. Tell me more about that. Because they asked me about price. So I've earned the right to ask about- Love that. If you ask me about price, I can ask you about what your budget is, right? Like that's a two-way street. Uh, this one's for Jackie. What additional pain points you wish your current software could solve comprehensively? Talk to Nitin about that discovery question. Break it down for her. What do you think? Oh, you're on mute. I'm on mute. Hashtag uh, muted. Hashtag, oh my God. Um, so tell me about, so basically like give, give me the, give me the hot tea <laughs> about what you don't like about what you currently have. Um, yeah. yeah, that, that kind of goes to situation. Like, is there pain? um impact so okay your solution what are the gaps is that mm. gap a big deal it kind of it gives me it gives me another thread to pull on and and see yeah absolutely uh, you you said and when we were doing the prep for this call you were like i like to pull strings if i mm. pull this string what will happen natin one of the things that i would say is you should adjust that language one more time jen made a great point it's not always the question you're asking it's how you're asking it this language feels very robotic and i don't know that it would register for me unless what you're saying is internal internal language that i use comprehensively i don't know about that i i would leave that word out i'm a big fan of big words don't misunderstand me but when you're in a discovery pro process big words sometimes unnecessary and i'm an over talker so i feel you but that's the way it goes this is a good one from dennis here uh okay dennis you see here what needs to get done in order for the po to get the PO by the end of the month so you'll have what you need by July. So he set a precedent here, you know, when you have, when they have what they need, uh, once they're, they're done, it's a long question, Dennis, apologies. Uh, what needs to get done in order for the PO to get done by the time that they want to get started? That's basically the question. I like this deeper into the funnel when you have verbals and stuff. No, Jen, go ahead, kick it off. Yeah, I, I think this is, again, I love where the question is coming from, but I yeah. think this is an example of sitting in the backseat and letting someone else drive our sales process. This is where we as salespeople should feel really confident saying, look, in other businesses that I've worked with that are your size or your interest, whatever the right factor is, depending on what you're selling, yeah. what I typically see is that you know, it takes four to six weeks to get through legal and procurement, and they tend to push back on this, this, and this curious, have you bought something else like this? What's been your experience so far? And when you ask that question, what you're doing is you're opening up, are they a buyer who's done this before? Are they not? That's a good thing to know. Two, you're not like, I can't tell you how many times people are like, oh yeah, I'll send it to legal and they'll get it back in a week. Like you're giving them something to react to. And then they can say, well, gosh, like, I mean, I, I thought it would only take a week. Maybe it sounds like it might take more. And then that opens you up to be able to say, yeah, so here are some things I've done with other companies that help accelerate that. Can I just run these by you? And you can tell me what's going to work and what's not. So again, it's that whole notion of prescription, because if we just take a backseat and let the buyer tell us, a lot of times, and I'm a buyer, I get this wrong. Like we get it wrong. So use that knowledge of, of you selling to other people. I'm loving this. We have time for one more question. This is a question from Gregory. I assume he sells audits. He says, the question he wants to ask is, how do you decide on who will run your audits, whether internally or externally? I think this is more about like decision-making criteria. No, Jackie? Um, wait, how do you decide 
Yeah, how do you decide? What's a G- what is a GM? What is a GMP audit? I don't know yeah. what that is. Yeah, I don't, I don't either, but he clearly says. Oh, okay. So the question is, how do you decide who will run them? Right. And I think back, this goes back to the decision making process and what they're going to make their decision on. Right. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So I would probably ask how they're, how they're doing it right now or how, how, what was the last situation? How did they, what did they decide? Did that work? Did it not work? So I would relate it to what's, what's the usual plan of action, either nothing or, oh, we always use Joe sort of thing. Um, and, and, and then start pulling on those strings. Yeah. Pulling on strings. I love that analogy. I think I'm going to start pulling on more strings in my pipeline here. Uh, How can (laughs) people connect with you, Jen, real quick? Where can they go? LinkedIn, baby. Jen Allen Knuth. That's where I spend a lot of my time. We're dropping Jen's LinkedIn in the chat right now. Jackie, where can people go to connect with you? Same thing? Same thing. LinkedIn, baby. Yeah, that seems to be the norm. Everybody's popping on to LinkedIn. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for coming out, spending your Friday with us. Uh, I want to give a hat tip to a great man. Jerry Springer passed away yesterday. So my final thought for you is get out there and take care of yourself and each other. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Thanks for coming out and spending some time with us today. 